You're listening to the Super Talk podcast, produced by the Australian Institute of Superannuation Trustees, shaping profit to member super. Hello and welcome to Super Talk. Uh, my name is Gary West and I'm the Senior Manager, Media and Communications with the Australian Institute of Superannuation Trustees. Today we'll be discussing the latest trends in ESG and how they impact investors. Joining me is Wei Xin Chan, Global Head of ESG Research and Climate Change at HSBC. Among the topics you'll be hearing about today are the findings from HSBC's latest, latest ESG sentiment survey, scope three, what to expect from COP28, and much more. Wei Xin, thanks for joining me today. So your latest survey is called Pockets of Resistance. What did you find in terms of ESG sentiment? That's correct, Gary. We conducted our latest ESG sentiment survey with over 300 professionals working in financial services across the globe, specifically in roles related to ESG decision making. These respondents represented uh, almost 300 institutions and, and sort of almost nine trillion in assets under management. What we found there is that there is undoubtedly a rise in anti-ESG sentiment in the US. This is the pockets of resistance we're mentioning. Uh, in our view, this falls mostly along political lines and is isolated to the US. Now, in our survey, that's broadly depicted by North America. For example, we found the effects across fund sustainability objectives, the reasons for funds having an ESG strategy, the approach taken to ESG, the acceptance of classification systems such as taxonomies, etc., as well as overall trust in sustainability reports. However, I have to emphasize that this was not noticeable across other regions. What other key ESG themes did you find in your research? Um, breaking it down a little, when considering environmental issues, unsurprisingly, uh, decarbonization remained the sort of top issue that everyone's focusing on. Resilience, uh, sort of on the adaptation side, also garnered a higher proportion of supporters since our last survey, and that was followed by distant sort of water-related issues. Uh, interestingly, on the social side, uh, supply chains has now risen to the top, although the increase was marginal. We, we returned in this survey to a broader spread of issues along the social agenda. So that would include diversity and inclusion, workplace practices, as well as civil and economic issues. Now, on governance, uh, it was AGM season at the time of the survey, so that may have focused minds back on board independence and effectiveness, but also up there are also strategy and risk management, as well as executive remuneration. And how are investors thinking about regulation? The, the influence of regulations has waned a little since our last survey in February and has become less of a driver, shall we say, of current trends. Now, we think this is somewhat due to the confusion caused by the Sustainable Finance Disclosure Regulation in the EU, so that's SFDR, earlier this year, uh, which required asset managers to disclose on some ESG information about their investments. There's also been uh, quite a strong pushback against disclosures by many companies in the US. So this has sort of taken the edge off a little of regulations being a main driver of ESG. When looking at corporates, what are the top drivers of sustainability according to investors? 
It's changed uh, quite a bit, actually. Uh, at the moment, we're looking at only 7% of investors believing that genuine sustainability concerns is the main driver for corporate sustainability, according to our latest sentiment survey. Now, that is the lowest uh, sort of uh, percentage or proportion ever recorded at 7%. It's actually down from 14%, so halved in our last survey. Uh, at the moment, public perception is now the biggest driver, uh, and that is that is actually quite high at 29%, and that's followed by being required to do this by the regulator as well as business opportunities. With many companies now setting or accelerating uh, their net zero targets, what should investors be mindful of? Investors will be increasingly seeing a lot of corporates set their net zero targets, but they really need to be cognizant of how the corporates intend to achieve this. It's all very well getting up on a presentation for the, the leader of a company to announce net zero, but the implementation of that is what investors are really interested in. So we've always said there is good net zero and there is bad net zero. So there is a spectrum of that. Uh, shall we say that the bad net zero tends to fall along the lines of using offsets immediately without thinking through that. Uh, we always believe that corporate should be engaging in organic decarbonization. That means going through their business activities and trying to make it less carbon intensive. And then going through at the very end, when there are residual emissions, only then do we consider using high quality offsets if absolutely necessary. Scope three has become more topical recently. What should investors be mindful of there? Definitely has become more topical. Lots of different uh, regulators are asking for Scope 3 to be included in, in a few years' time. So Scope 3 emissions, uh, that is the indirect emissions that occur uh, in the upstream and downstream activities of an organization. Uh, very, very important there. Included especially as part of the International Sustainability Standards Board, that's the ISSB, their guidelines. And very interestingly, the um, securities regulator, IOSCO, has asked uh, all their regulators to endorse that and to, to try and put that through in their uh, disclosure regimes. So it's been discussed in many different countries and many different regions. From an investor point of view, we should never add scope three emissions to scope one and scope two. They are different entities. Uh, and so we shouldn't add that. However, investors need to be aware and mindful, as you say, of the scope three emissions so they can monitor the exposure of an organization's emissions over time, especially as carbon pricing is going to become more popular and the carbon price is going to rise. And so we, we definitely need to understand the, the carbon intensity of a company's business and where they are taking actions, either upstream or downstream, to try and lower that carbon intensity. So lots to be aware of there, but the key is not to add the scope three to the scope ones and scope twos. What can we expect from the upcoming uh, COP28 climate summit later this year? That's turning out to be a very, very interesting uh, summit indeed. Uh, it's going to be held in the UAE from the 30th of November to the 12th of December. One of the key things to be looking out for, will, will one and a half degrees survive? There will always be sort of levels of ambition that need to be enhanced. So we'll be watching out, especially for the, the global stock take. That's a check in on the Paris Agreement every five years. This one's important because it will determine the level of ambition 
from uh, many, many countries, especially as they, they try and put forward renewed or more ambitious and better climate targets. There'll be an interesting angle on the fossil fuel lobby that's dominated the debate so far a lot and, and definitely the operationalization sorry, of the loss and damage fund, where we'll get the money from and how that will play out. So lots to look out for there and a very, very exciting COP28. Just another question going back to the, the survey, was there anything in it that really surprised you? Um, maybe I could ask what surprised you most? Uh, we've been doing this survey for about just over, just under two years now, sort of every every four months. I think the there's been a little bit of what we'd call green backlash. And that applies, I think, not just to companies, but also to investors. That's essentially that Regulations when it comes to ESG, so whether that's against uh, company disclosure, fund disclosure, ESG rating providers and ESG indices, they have come hard and fast. Now, whilst I think that is a good thing, I do appreciate it that if you're the recipient of these regulations and have to implement them, it is challenging from a time point of view, a capacity point of view, a, a monetary and budgetary point of view. So there has been a little bit of a green backlash and it was interesting to see that sort of play out in our survey. Uh, I would expect that to continue, although when we look at climate change and the extreme events happening around the world, there is no time to wait. We should actually be accelerating those regulations. So there's a there's a bit of a dilemma there, I think, in the in the ESG regulation space. And just finally, uh, perhaps looking forward to the um to the next survey, uh, what sort of topics do you think you'll be covering? Uh, how different is it likely uh, to be to, to the one you've just um, spoken about? <laughs> Thank you. We we do like to have some topical issues. So last year it was a lot about energy security and the, the Russia-Ukraine war. Um, perhaps, uh, and I'm just thinking out loud here, perhaps we'll be looking at the, the potential uh, effects of a, a global economic slowdown, given that we're getting some interesting numbers out of uh, various parts of Asia, including China. So we shall see the effect on, on ESG uh, because of that. That's all for this episode of Super Talk. Thanks to Wei Xin Chan of HSBC. For more episodes of Super Talk and for more information on the work of the Australian Institute of Superannuation Trustees, visit our website at aist.asn.au and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. 